Welcome back to episode 47 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. In this episode, we're looking ahead to game week 7. Welcome back to the FPL Draft Hub podcast, the podcast dedicated to the official FPL Draft game. My name's Mitch, and I'm your host for another roundup of waiver options, hidden gems, ones to dump, and some sell-high buy-low targets ahead of game week 7. As a Spurs fan, game week 6 was one to forget, but as a draft player, it turned out very well for me with nice returns from Michael Keane, Abdoulaye Decore, uh, Gabriel Jesus and Jamie Vardy. Elsewhere, owners of Cancelo, Saka and Smith-Rowe will have had some decent weeks. And to the less than 1% of players out there that own Courtney Horse, you found yourselves with the player of the game week picking up 15 points. Generally, it seemed to be a fairly low scoring game week and that is usually what happens when there are a few surprising results. And also what happens when three of the big boys don't keep a clean sheet. Uh, Villa beating United and uh, Brentford and Liverpool sharing the spoils in that six-goal thriller were not in the script. And when you also throw in Man City beating Chelsea, uh, there weren't too many reliable point-getters this week. The only reliable source of points at the moment seems to be to back whoever is playing Norwich each week, with the Everton starting eleven averaging more than six FPL points. Of course, the main one-week punt that I highlighted last week was one of the exceptions to that rule, that being Rondon, who came away with a measly two points. Anyway, some of the players I'll be discussing in this episode include Emil Smith-Rowe, Abdullah Decore, Yuri Tielemans, and many more, so let's get into it. So a quick swing through the fixture barometer, starting with those uh, with some hot games coming up, starting with Arsenal. Um, everyone knows that they've got quite a nice run moving forward, uh, have Brentford and Palace before the international break, and then a nice run that carries on after that. I've added Everton in here. They do have a you know tough game on paper away to United this week, but then have uh, West Ham at home, Watford at home and Wolves away, which I think could be quite a productive spell for them. And I'm actually backing them to at least come away with a point against United. Next is Manchester City. Now, they are away to Liverpool this week, but then have a good run. They're at home to Burnley before the break and then have games against Brighton and Palace afterwards. Out of the big four teams, City seem to have flown slightly under the radar, having dropped some uncharacteristic points early on. But since the opening day defeat to Spurs, they have kept five consecutive clean sheets. And while I thought Chelsea were best placed to capitalise in the big title deciding clashes this season, it could actually be City. I said in my league WhatsApp group last week that I wouldn't be surprised if City went to Chelsea and Liverpool and picked up six points with two clean sheets and they're already halfway there. So not necessarily ones to uh, steer away from this week. Finally, I've uh, picked Wolves. Um, People have been on the Wolves train for a couple of weeks already now. It started off with a bit of a bumpy start uh, as they lost to Brentford, Um, but it's back on again. We're back on the rails and they've got a very nice fixture at home to Newcastle this week uh, and then have Villa, Leeds and Everton following that. Um, with a good run, as I said, extending all the way up to game week 14. Um, lots of people will have already jumped on some of their guys already. So those with some cold fixtures, um, I've taken Aston Villa off because I don't consider a game against Tottenham to be uh, any sort of barometer to steer away from them currently. Uh, Brentford are on there. They've got a tough run away to West Ham, then Chelsea, Leicester and away to Burnley. Palace uh, probably have one of the hardest runs. Uh, Leicester at home, Arsenal away, 
Uh, easy tie at home to Newcastle and then away to City. Leicester are on here. Now, it's not often a team can go from having a good run to a bad run after just one game. But Leicester do not look great at the back at the moment. And the two easier fixtures on paper uh, in the next four, which is away to Crystal Palace and away to Brentford, could actually be, uh, you know, big stumbling blocks. And in amongst that, they've got a couple of games against United and Arsenal. United also have a, a hard little spell now. Everton at home, Leicester away, Liverpool at home and Spurs away with a tough run that doesn't really seem to end until December at which point United have a really nice Christmas and New Year period. Um, sort of the nicest set of fixtures you could possibly imagine, and you'd struggle to make it easier if you tried. So, you know, you could uh, steer away from any United players that you're eyeing up on the waiver pile. And finally, Norwich, um, you know, the team that I'm trying to target pretty much every week. Um, or any fixture for them is difficult at the moment. They're away to Burnley this week and then play Brentford, Chelsea, uh, and Leeds. So, um, you know, for this week uh, in particular, I get away to Burnley. You should be looking to bring in any of those Burnley defenders and then uh, Cornet or McNeil in midfield uh, and Wood up front because any of them could have a really good week. So into the main section and the main picks and starting off with Abdullahi Dekore. Um I very briefly mentioned him on last week's pod uh i forget who it was i was talking about it might have been rondon and in passing at the end of that statement about everton mentioned decore's name as one to grab if he was available but he does have relatively high ownership at the moment he's the ninth highest fpl point scorer so far with 38 points five goal involvements and seven bonus points already um he's been one of the you know, a uh, handful of standout performers for Everton so far, and he's one of the most nailed-on starters in the whole Premier League at the moment. He's now equaled his goal involvement tally from last year, and while I'm not a massive fan of uh, expected stats, or at least I'm not a fan of how many people tend to read them, he's overperforming in those metrics currently, which tells me he's a player in form that is finding a way to help his team from difficult situations. Good attackers outperform their expected stats, and... I also don't hate Everton's upcoming fixtures despite the red boxes on the FPL fixture difficulty rater. With Man United potentially having the whole left-hand side of their defence injured uh, and a continuing weakness in central midfield, Decore could have another busy day to keep that form going. Next is Emil Smith-Rowe for Arsenal. Excellent performance in the North London derby and while Spurs uh, existed in a state that was far from solid, it shouldn't detract from the Arsenal performance and what is surely now the emergence of, or very close to, a clear first-choice starting eleven for Arsenal. Now, Shaka went off injured in the second half and looks like he's going to be out for a while. But everyone else who started that game should be considered nailed on for the foreseeable future. That means you can safely invest in the likes of Smith-Rowe um, and Odegaard, as well as Saka and Aubameyang if they happen to be available in your league. Despite lining up on the left of Odegaard, um, it was often him popping up in dangerous positions and his goal involvement stats from the opening games suggest that Smithrow is the one to opt for over Odegaard, if you had the choice. As I've already mentioned, Arsenal have a cracking run of fixtures now right up through November uh, and could have a squad that is bonded by a string of really good positive results by the time the harder fixtures come around again after that. Bit of a random name to talk about now and that's Jordan Pickford. Um, now, Pickford was one of the most wavered out players uh, ahead of game week six. And you can see those stats uh, on FPLDraftHub.com in the 
global dashboard with many people bringing in the likes of Ramsdale, McCarthy uh, or Gator as a replacement due to the expectation that he would be out injured. And what do you know, he's fine for the match uh, against Norwich, comes in for a clean sheet. So lots of FPL managers would have been kicking themselves, especially when you consider that all three of those replacements I just named uh, conceded late goals. If you brought in Ramsdale, you can probably sit back and consider that a blessing in disguise for the longer term. If you brought in Gator, I'd definitely be looking for my money back in the waivers this week. And if you brought in McCarthy, there's a case to be made that Southampton have a better upcoming run of fixtures, providing you're not relying on them away to Chelsea this week. Of course, if you're near the bottom of the league and one of the managers above throughout Pickford last week, he could also be a better option than your current second choice keeper. Next is Yuri Tielemans for Leicester. And so far, the usual suspects from the Leicester midfield have not lived up to uh, pre-season expectations with Barnes and Madison providing absolutely nothing so far. Tielemans has managed to get involved with the goal and two assists so far, giving him a points per game average of just over four, which for the purposes of leagues with 10 teams or more uh, is probably above par. There's decent availability for him around the leagues as he's not generally considered prolific in an attacking sense and could be a decent one-week pickup as Leicester travel to Crystal Palace this week uh, and just hope that his good form continues. The only thing that could get in his way from an FBL perspective is that Barnes and Madison will inevitably wake up sooner or later, combined with the introduction of Lookman, and soon Tielemans may not need to be the one to provide the goods for Jamie Vardy. Next, I'm looking at uh, a trio of players for Man United in Lindelof, uh, Tellez and Dalot. One to monitor that could work well for a two-week punt. Maguire, it seems, is definitely out until at least after the international break. Uh, so could be back for game week nine, meaning that Lindelof will likely come in to partner Varane for the next couple of games. Meanwhile, Luke Shaw's injury doesn't sound quite as serious, but a backup option for him, um, I'd imagine being Tellez, could be one to keep an eye on. Not the easiest run for United coming up though, so you might just see this as further reason to steer clear of them defensively uh, because obviously their chances of conceding will go up as that back line is disrupted. On to Burnley next and Cornet is a guy I mentioned last week as someone that would imminently be making an impact on the starting 11 and in he goes and scores a beauty on his full debut. It's not a typical Burnley goal but then it's hard to see who else in the Burnley squad would or could score a goal like that. The only hiccup here is that he may have twinged his hamstring um, and he came off at half time as a precaution in that game. I'm sure Burnley will not want to risk him, especially in what should be their easiest game of the season at home to Norwich. On paper, though, Norwich will be saying the same thing uh, and they need to win to have any hope of survival. If reports in midweek suggest Cornet is fine, he's a great one week punt. And if you can afford to bench him for the following game, away to City could do a job in the following fixtures too. Right, Spurs rant incoming. I really need to get some of those late night talk radio sound effects for little moments and segments like this. Um, this is, uh, I'm going to talk about Brian Gill, uh, one of Spurs new signings. But before that, as I said, I will have a small rant um, because, you know, Spurs clearly need a change of tactics moving forward. I think it's incredibly oversimplistic to say Nuno needs to go back to his Wolves system or that a 4-3-3 doesn't suit the players because neither of those are necessarily true. It doesn't matter how you set a formation on paper pre-match. 
if your midfielders are going to continually vacate the middle of the pitch to stand on the last man. I think Lucas Moura was genuinely puzzled at times by seeing Deli Ali continually run past him looking for a long ball every time our centre-backs receive possession. I think it's why he ended up looking more of a midfielder because I think he just said, fuck it, somebody needs to stand in the middle of the pitch. I have to believe that Delhi was was told to make those runs, but whether he was told to make them to that extent seems unlikely. And, and the fact he was hauled off at half-time probably reflects that, but it still means there was a major breakdown in communication which has to fall on the management team. Kane may as well have uh, done the same and just sat in midfield too because he wasn't going to win a header if the game had gone on for 900 minutes. Um, and Dombele also looked confused positionally, which again suggests the players were being asked to do things they're not naturally inclined to do, um, and probably for good reason, or that there was just a breakdown in communication there. The generally poor attitude, I think, is also probably a mark against the tactics because even in some of the worst moments under Mourinho, the players at least looked like they were putting a shift in. Um, Spurs have covered the least ground in the Premier League so far this season, which is unthinkable when you consider there are still a large chunk of this squad that developed under Pochettino. The mood looks generally sour. The Kane situation is likely a big factor. His leadership role in the squad has never been one to shout and drag people into position. He's always been a calm, you know, just unstoppable force, ruthlessly methodical uh, and an example to those around him. But in that game, somebody needed to be banging heads together. Um, that's not Kane. It's not Son. It's not Lucas Moura. It's not Delhi. It's not Ndombele. It's not Reguilón. It's not Tanganga. It's not Sanchez. It can be dire at times, it can be Hoiberg, but both of them look shell-shocked, even at 1-0 down. The squad does have a major problem with a lack of uh, player-level leadership, but currently any ounce of those qualities is being driven to meekness by a lack of confidence, I think, in the management. Nuno himself already looks dejected. He's looked like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders ever since I saw his first interview as the new Spurs manager and the club are pretty much stuck with him in the current managerial climate. So, um, yeah, hard to uh, see too many positives there. Um, apart from Brian Gill, who uh, who I mentioned, Spurs now have two winnable league games before the international break. And honestly, I think if you offered Nuno four points right now, he'd probably bite your hand off. I think um, Gill has really impressed me in his limited appearances so far this season. I expect he'll probably play again in the Europa Conference League in midweek, but he is definitely knocking on the door for the Premier League starting eleven. And if he were to be left out in midweek, I'd view that as a very good clue that he'll feature at the weekend. His ownership is practically hidden gem territory for most leagues uh, and only hits 20% in 16-team leagues. So one to keep an eye on. Lastly, uh, I'm going to highlight Marcus Rashford again. I spoke about him maybe two weeks ago. He's now back in outdoor training. He's not working with the squad, but the original timetable for his return does, uh, doesn't seem to have been met with any setbacks so far. So one to pick up if he's been languishing in the wave of pile or one to trade for if the current owner is in an injury crisis. There weren't too many uh, hidden gems. Uh, I really felt like uh, 
highlighting this week. The main one really is uh, Pinnock for Brentford, who has scored 36 points so far, averaging nice six points per game. And from a newly promoted club, that puts him in the top 10 point scorers overall so far. Now, I have got Brentford on the list of some pretty uh, cold fixtures, but they're not the worst. Away to West Ham, home to Chelsea is difficult, but then a home game against Leicester and away to Burnley um, isn't the worst. And we've seen that they can get results against some of the big teams. Obviously beat Arsenal on the opening day uh, and then put three past Liverpool uh, at the weekend. So whether he could end up being uh, like a, a Dallas from last season as someone that's just going to kind of keep ploughing on and everyone keeps ignoring him, I don't know. Definitely in the larger leagues, he needs to, you know, somebody needs to be picking him up. Um, with this sort of form, it's really impossible to ignore and his ownership levels are still really low. So he's my main hidden gem this week. On to the most hidden gem section. And for those who haven't listened in a couple of weeks, this is a new section particularly aimed at those in the large 16-team leagues to pick out a hidden gem that's relevant for them. So I've started doing this with the player who has less than 10% ownership, but I did mention last week that I may have to nudge that up 20% because it really is scraping the barrel. In the less than 10% camp, there were a few names uh, I was looking at. For the majority of people, these names are obviously completely irrelevant, so feel free to skip a minute or so if you're in a, a you know more conventionally sized league. Um, I was looking at names like uh, Party, Trusty Kong for Watford, Brownhill for, for Burnley. Um, in the end, I decided to uh, select Grant Hanley for Norwich. Obviously not, you know, not the greatest start for Norwich with six losses out of six. But as I mentioned, they have to be eyeing this game as an opportunity to get a point or three on the board. Burnley are usually fairly well organised against set pieces, but they have already conceded from two so far this season. And why not this game for Hanley to get his customary goal uh, each year? If uh, you allow me to go up to the 20% mark, we can obviously then extend some of those names. Some of the names I was looking at, the likes of Tellers for a one-week punt, Hudson-Odoi, uh, Strauch for Leeds. Um, but as a sort of antithesis to my uh, pick just a few seconds ago, the one I'd highlight here would be Goodmanson for Burnley. Especially if Cornette is injured, he is very likely to play and is a decent option for Burnley when he's fit. And he has struggled to stay healthy for the last four years or so. Obviously, this flies completely against that handy pick. But if you're gambling on a one-week punt, I think you're more likely to plump for Goodmanson getting a return over Hanley keeping a clean sheet. But that's why there's a 10% difference in their ownership. Let's move on to the get rid list. And I'm going to start with Pepe for Arsenal. He's currently taken in nearly 93% of eight-team leagues and obviously higher ownership numbers as the league sizes increase. Obviously, if you're in a big league, he's probably too good to drop because he's an injury away from being in the starting eleven. But in most leagues, you need to be looking at bringing in somebody that's going to play most weeks, and that's just not the case for him currently. In a similar vein, uh, I've highlighted Pulisic for Chelsea. Just too many attackers fighting for a couple of spots anyway. With his injury record and current injury situation, he's not somebody that's going to get you any points anytime soon. Ownership is currently over 90% and I can't imagine all those managers are flying in their leagues at the moment and probably can't afford to be carrying him on the bench. Next to the best defence in the league, Manchester City and it's uh, Zinchenko. 
Always risky saying to drop a City player because you can bet he'll go and play the next game. So far, though, the City defence has been pretty stable in personnel and uh, as the best performing defence in the league, there's no reason why that should change. I think Pep recognises the league is going to be uh, a real battle this year, possibly the hardest fought we've seen for a while. And if that means less roulette with the defensive team selections, then so be it. Uh, Zinchenko will likely end up uh, being an ever-present in the cup games. Dean Henderson for United is still really highly owned and unless you're handcuffing the position by also owning De Gea, you definitely want to be looking at other options. Uh, and finally, Canate for Liverpool. His ownership is well above 80%, which I think is probably still a hangover from uh, from draft day where he was rated quite highly in pre-season. Um, and uh, I think lots of people were backing him to be the one to partner VVD going forwards, but that's just not the case currently. And there's too much value in the waiver pile for defenders um, where you really shouldn't be carrying the likes of Canate. On to trade valuations and some sell high buy low. For the sell high list, I don't really have uh, many names to highlight here at the moment. I think if you cast your eye down the FPL form table, the list is pretty much comprised of some decent, reliable performers that you'd be reluctant to lose um, unless it was for the right price. Uh, maybe Kovacic is the only one there, but I doubt you'd really get much of a sell high trade value out of him at the moment. My buy low targets, um, Barnes for Leicester, who I briefly mentioned before, zero goal involvement so far, could be uh, managers with uh, cold feet there. Similarly, James Ward-Prowse, who I think is a really reliable defender over the course of the season, only the one goal so far um, and a decent fixture on coming up for Southampton and also Ollie Watkins for Villa. Uh, really impressive last year. Zero goal involvement so far could be someone you can pick up uh, on a bit of a bargain. Now, on a side note, people uh, often reach out and ask me to evaluate potential trades that they've got on the table. Um, I'm happy to do that. Uh, and a very common theme at the moment is to have Alonso included in the deal. Uh, I've seen lots of trades where it's been two or three and Alonso has been included. It's very hard to value the deal because you've got a top tier performing defender who we're all treating as a bit of a rotation risk, despite no evidence to support that mindset. Chelsea fans have always been uh, a bit suspect about his defensive qualities, but in this current setup in a 5-2-3 or a 5-3-2, there are so many other defensively minded players in the team that he really isn't getting exposed. So if we look at everything, you know, black and white numbers on the page, there's absolutely no reason to believe he is going to get rotated anytime soon. He's performing great, passes the eye test. Chelsea as a, as a unit are working pretty well, but there is still the lurking spectre of Ben Chilwell, a player who I backed to be, you know, one of the best performing defenders this season. And it's really difficult. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, going to come up with a with a nice, neat answer in this segment because I think lots there's, there's lots of opinion there. Um, my advice to some people has just been that by trading Alonso away, you're at least getting rid of that potential headache and that fear that he's going to be dropped and you can at least maybe move that value into a more reliable pick someone that you know has got you know no real competition but equally you could be trading away someone that goes on to be one of the best uh, scoring defenders in the game this season so definitely not easy positions to be in but that's the fun of draft 
That's it for this episode. A reminder that the waiver deadline is at 11am BST Friday morning ahead of the lunchtime game on Saturday at Old Trafford as Everton looked to go and get a big result there. Now, this week, there have been some notable accounts hacked in the FPL community, um, not so much on the draft game, mainly on the main FPL game, which has been a real shame to see as people put a lot of time into this game, rightly or wrongly, and to have that vandalised is sad. And as such, FPL emailed every user this week to warn them against the use of third-party sites and applications as potential security breaches. So to be clear, FPL Draft Hub does not store any of your FPL credentials when you sync your account. That means your your username and password is not stored at all. Your credentials are used in a closed function to simply retrieve your team and league IDs initially, which are then stored against your Draft Hub account, which is a separate login uh, to FPL. This is why we have a resync uh, feature. So if you create a new team or league you then have to resync your account to find it also to sign up to draft hub you don't need to provide any personal details so you know you're you can sign up with facebook google or twitter um, and all that's then taken is the associated email address with that account so if draft hub did ever get hacked uh, the hacker would get just a list of email addresses with your team and league ids so in that vein, make sure you do check out fbldrafthub.com if you haven't already, um, because there is a whole host of stuff on there that you can't find anywhere else. Lots of the stats uh, and things I use to uh, make this pod are all freely available on there for you to, to browse. Um, so you can see who the players that uh, everyone else is bringing in and getting rid of. And you can also see lots of personalized stats for your team and league. If you're enjoying the podcast, then make sure you're following or subscribed on whichever platform you're listening to um, so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you are enjoying them, uh, what would also be really helpful is if you uh, dropped a review um, just to say how you're finding it, uh, because that will really help other people find the podcast. If you do want to reach out and ask me stuff or get advice on trades or anything, the, uh, the easiest way is to message me on Twitter at FPL Draft Hub Pod. Um, and as I mentioned last week, the, the list of people that are reaching out is growing every week, which is great to see. Um, and uh, whilst day job can be busy, I tend to get back to most of you in a relatively timely manner, I hope, um, and have some, some good chats with you. Best of luck ahead of game week seven. Make sure not to forget to pencil in any of your waivers. Uh, And as always, stay shook.